today is a, a little bit um, of a different feel, of a, of a different message. How many of you enjoyed your families this past week? How many of you enjoyed good fruit this week or memories or downtime or activities and so on and so forth? I've, I'm so grateful for all that we were able to do this week. But at the same time, I've, I've just had a stirring from the Lord, asking the Lord, what, what do you want to say the following Sunday morning? after our Thanksgiving. I want to remind you, next Sunday is water baptism. There's a sign-up table here in the back of the worship center today. Next Sunday is Generosity Sunday. Generosity Sunday. Generosity is our heart. It's our culture. Um, Generosity Sunday is about us supporting local children in our community um, that are underprivileged and won't be provided for. Bring toys next week. I want to remind you of a, a couple of more things. This this uh, festival of tables, I think, is almost completely full. There may be one or two spots left. I don't even know I'm operating on my own authority there, but, but it's going to be full. I think it's close to 200 women. That's going to be great. And then somebody say next week. We're going to start talking to the church about the brand new ministry of Celebrate Recovery at Oaks Church that's about to launch. We're going to be laying out sign-up sheets. We're going to be laying out timelines and meetings and leadership. It's going to be great. And then in the next few weeks after that, I'm going to get an opportunity to start talking about something that's very near and dear to my heart. And that is minister vocational Training, Bible education, Bible literacy, seminary school through School of Urban Missions. I can't wait to talk to you about some of that for those of you pursuing that call of God on your life that want to grow in that calling and grow in your knowledge of the Lord. It's going to be great. 2023 is poised to be a great year at Oaks Church. And oh, by the way, I, uh, I happened to hear firsthand this morning that uh, we should be having a meeting this coming week about our completed plans for the renovations of the frontage road property and it is still our hope to get going with our building committee and with general contractors as fast as possible as early into the next year and how many of you know when they when they start building we're going to be over there praying daily to finish to finish to finish to finish 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 let's i'm ready to go home y'all ready to go home you ready to move to the frontage road so keep that in prayer keep that in your giving thank you so much john chapter 13 today rather lengthy passage of scripture john 13 verses 1 through 17 thank you so much pastor chad for hanging with me today before the passover celebration jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and for him to return to where he had came with his father he had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. He had loved his disciples during his earthly ministry, and now he had loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted or put it in the heart of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. I wonder if you've ever made the correlation of those two verses. I, I, I wonder, have we ever really slowed down? We're going to slow down this morning and made the connection that when the Bible says that Jesus loved his own disciples and, and he loved them to the very end, that that statement is a divinely inspired statement connected to the preceding thought that says now... Satan had put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray him. What the Bible is trying to say, what the Holy Spirit is trying to say, that, that Jesus loved in the face of betrayal. That, that Jesus didn't love them only when they did right, walked right, talked right, acted right but Jesus loved them all the way even till the end he continued to love them even in the face of betrayal Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and that he would only leave this world to return to God so he got up from the table 
and he took off his robe and he wrapped a towel around his waist and he poured water into a basin then he began to wash his disciples feet drying them with the towel that he had around him and when he came to Simon Peter Peter said to him Lord are you going to wash my feet Jesus said you don't understand what I'm actually doing Simon Peter but one day you will Peter loudmouth know it all no you'll never wash my feet Jesus replied Peter listen you're messing up my illustrated sermon unless I wash your feet you don't belong to me Simon Peter then said okay I'm an idiot please forgive me not only wash my feet but my hands and my head as well Jesus replied a person Peter who is bathed all over only needs to wash his feet because they're already clean and you my disciples are clean but Peter listen the whole point of this is there's one of you that are not clean for Jesus knew who would betray him and that is what is meant when he said not all of you are clean not all of you are clean now now if you're anything like me at this point in a sermon like this with the mood that's in the room with the tone and the key in which the music is you're waiting on pins and needles for me to tell you which one of you has betrayed me and I'm about to call you out on Sunday morning. No, I'm sorry, I went to that church before. That's not what this is. <laughs> right? It's what you think. He's like, oh, I'm finna catch a dose and get up. I got to go. No. I'm just setting up context of this passage. Context is king so, so that we really understand what it is that we're reading. Take a deep breath. I'm, I'm not saying any of you have betrayed me because I'm not Jesus. What, what, what I'm saying to you is I have betrayed Jesus. What, what I'm saying to you is you have betrayed you. What I'm saying is there's a Peter in you, but there's a Judas in you. There's a Judas in me and there's a Peter in me. What, what I'm saying is this is who Jesus really is. After washing their feet, now wait a minute, did he say 10 feet? 11 feet. Or is their feet inclusive of all 12? After washing their feet, including Judas, he put his robe on again and he sat down and he asked this question. Do you understand what I'm doing? You call me the teacher, you call me the Lord, and you are right because that's who I am. I am the teacher and I am the Lord. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, listen to me, you ought also to wash each other's feet. I've given you this illustration. I've given you this, this sermon. I've given you this example so that you can remember to do as I've done to you. I'll tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their masters, nor are the messengers more important, the ambassadors, the emissary, the envoys, more important than the lords who have sent them with the message. Now that you know these things, you need to underline this verse. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for knowing them. Now that you know these things, God will bless you because you know them. No, that's not what the Bible says. It says now that you know these things, knowing was half the battle. See, you just thought that was G.I. <laughs> Joe. He said knowing the right thing was just part of it. God's going to bless you when you do the right thing. Knowing it's one thing, doing it's altogether another thing. God's going to bless you when you go do likewise. You say, oh, I know I'm leaving right now. I was with you when you were talking about me betraying Jesus and Jesus still loving me and washing my feet. But I'm starting to get the feeling, Pastor, you might be fisting to tell me Jesus expects me to love them. Yep. Jesus expects me 
to honor them. Yep. Jesus expects me to serve them. Yep. I know I got to go now. Sorry, they're texting me in the littles department and you ain't even got no kids. I want to talk to you today about an awful, strange strategy. An awfully strange strategy. You know, when we get ready to come in here every Sunday morning and set this facility up, we have a strategy. And that strategy has moved from, from 4 a.m. <laughs> you hear Chad? I heard Chad ain't made a word. It made a sound since worship was over. When I said it is moved from 4 a.m., I got an amen out of who. It's moved from 4 a.m. to 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. And now, because so many of you are so sacrificial, so serving, so giving, so deliberate, so committed, so awesome, we get here at 7. And by 7.45, most of us are looking around wondering who's going to get coffee. It's, it's an amazing process to watch Oaks Church transform this facility every Sunday morning. But it did not come without a strategy. I, I got to tell you, there's a strategy to how they open the building. There's a strategy to how Pastor Todd puts the little wooden pegs in every door so nobody has to touch a door. The rest of the way, you know how frustrating it is to have to open a door every time you come through a door and you come through that same door 20 times. He opens the door. There's a strategy to how Pastor Chad takes out the boxes. There's a strategy to how the cords are unrolled. There's a strategy how Jared and Kaylee and their amazing media and production team, jack up these lights, these screens, the filming platform. There's just an amazing strategy and everybody knows their part. And even if we have one or two new people right now that don't know within a matter of a week or two, they know somebody even knows how I like the chairs now. It's just amazing to see the strategy. But I can tell you something that um, probably would decrease our family participation for there to not be a strategy. Uh, if we came in every Sunday morning and we didn't know who was doing anything and there was no rhythm, there was no system, there was no structure, I guarantee you in a matter of weeks, most people would say, uh, um, I'm feeling called, called to serve somewhere else. I'm, I'm feeling called to do something. I guarantee you if somebody walked in here and they, they said, you know what? That is an awfully strange strategy that you set the music equipment up before you build the platform. Do you not realize you could build the platform, then put the equipment up there and be one and done? Awfully strange strategy. There, maybe you're a strategy person. Maybe, maybe you work. In a, in, a, in a laborious field. Maybe you do automotive mechanics. Maybe you do contracting. Maybe you work in an office. Maybe you got a strategy and, and maybe when you add new people to that team, you like them to learn your steps, to learn your processes, to learn your strategy. And, and maybe every once in a while somebody gets your process wrong or your strategy wrong or how you do things wrong. And I bet you it upsets the apple cart. I got to be honest with you. When I read John chapter 13 in a Western 2022 21st century mindset, I say to Jesus, this is an awfully strange strategy. Like, I don't get it. I don't know how you expect me to do this. Don't you know they cut me off in traffic? Don't you know they made me mad? Don't you know they peed in my Cheerios? Forgive me for saying that. Don't you know that they insulted me? Don't you know they talked about me? Don't you know I don't like them? Don't you know they don't like me? Huh? Jesus, this is an awfully strange strategy. It's an awfully strange strategy. I want to give you a little more context here and see if I can dig myself out of the hole that I've already dug myself in this morning. Holy Spirit, this is when I need you. They're, they're, they're in this upper room setting that becomes what you and I know as the, the, the location of the Last Supper. 
And, and what we think about in the Last Supper is, is the pictures that have been depicted and all the disciples. They, they actually wouldn't have been even setting upright in chairs. That's not Middle Eastern culture. They would have been lounging, laying back, kind of like, like the big sectional couches where everybody just lays around. They would have been laying on the ground on pillows. The table would have been low. It would have been a three-sided table. And this upper room was, would have been a rented. Do you remember when Jesus sent one of the disciples? He said, go tell, the, go tell this guy that with the colt, with the, the foal, tied to it and whom know that the master needs very like that he said hey go go tell this man that that the master needs use of his upper room and we're getting ready for Passover this would have been just days just hours before the crucifixion right before that last supper happens when he finally gets everybody in that upper room and 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 getting ready to eat this this Passover meal Jesus notices something he notices that everybody has come in and laid on a couch, taken their position. Oh, you, you know what, it, was, it would be like running in this morning and I'm not knocking you Ryan at all, I love your heart. Thank you for being one of those amazing people that has served from day one on this loading crew. Thank you for making my trip to the Monroe Jail worthwhile investment years ago. Thank you for staying faithful to your wife and your kids, coming back from your injury, re-engaging in the workforce, providing for your family. I know you're not perfect, but thank you for continuing to try, my friend. I love you. But when Ryan left out of here this morning, he came back. People said, my God, he knows all that about that guy. Just don't let me know you, and I won't know all that stuff. But when Ryan left this morning, he, he always says, going to get the family. But he came back and he had two Bibles. I said, did somebody leave? And he said, no, these seat savers. Seat savers. Now, I want you to know I like seat savers at Oaks Church because I hate when we reserve the front row and then it's empty. It just bothers me preaching to empty chairs. It just absolutely bothers me. So thank you for wanting to be up close so I can spit on you. But, but anyways... They, they came in and they, and they took their spot. You know, they're all trying to figure, where's Jesus going to sit? Where's, oh, is he going to be sitting there? Oh, I'm going to get right here. You know, everybody, Judas is trying to get totally out of the picture because I'm going to go anyways. I'm going to force his hand to show us who he really is. They're all, and Jesus gets in that upper room. Now, I'm just ad-libbing a little bit, just helping the Bible come to life. And when they get in there, Jesus notices one thing. He's, well, I mean, not that I'm overly religious, not that I think salvation is in the law, but, but you do understand before we eat this meal in this rented room I have booked, somebody's got to wash our hands and somebody's got to wash our feet. And clearly none of you in this room have the servant's heart that it takes to serve me or one another because you're all jockeying and vying for affection and attention and prominence and statue and place and rank and file. <laughs> so Jesus says, I got one for him. <laughs> I said, you see him down there? <laughs> I know he's fisting to betray me. <laughs> I know he don't even like me. He's got a knife right now ready to stab me in the back. <laughs> Watch this. <laughs> oh, Judas, come here. Let me wash your feet. How many of you know if you knew Judas was fizzing to betray, you wouldn't have been down there washing his feet? Anybody seen Gladiator? Anybody seen the Gladiator? Anybody seen that show Gladiator with Russell Crowe? I, I don't know the, the, the gentleman that, that played uh, the emperor of Rome. I, don't, I know he's a famous actor, but, but when he gets up to Russell Crowe real close one time, he pulls a little dagger out of his wrist and he pokes it in his lungs. So he so he cripples him before he has to go fight him in the, in the Colosseum. That's how most of you would have been. If you'd have got Judas up there, you wouldn't want nobody saying, huh, okay, yeah. I want you to see that, that, that Jesus is intentionally moving this illustrated sermon along as he's looking at the landscape of what's about to left, about to be left because this is the end. Look, I've loved you all. I'm going to continue to love you all and you don't even know what I'm doing. But somebody has missed the three and a half years of the daily messages that it's really all about service. It's really, really all about service. They're going to put a thought up on the screen today, and, and I'm going to take a, a few minutes and, and talk to you about it. Our authority releases our service. Now, 
I put this in my notes later because usually throughout the week I, I revise them and expand them and abridge them. You, you could put a slash after that word authority and also write identity. Listen to me, our authority or our identity releases our service. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and that he was also returning to God. So because his authority was in place, because his identity was intact, he got up from the table, he took off that expensive robe that the Bible says was so expensive, that tunic, because it was one woven thread, it had no seams in it, it was so expensive, they didn't even want to tear it, the Roman soldiers, he took off that expensive robe and he put on a towel because he knew who he was. The, the old timers used to say, you can dress a boy up in Gucci and he's still just a boy. You can dress a man up in rustlers and he's still a man. The clothes don't make the man, the man makes the clothes. Jesus knew who he was. It, I, I don't know why I, I wanna do this, but I'm gonna do it. I know many of you in here, you, you own businesses. And, and when you own a business, here's what you know about a business. There is no task above you, and there is no task below you. If you own a business, you'll pick up cigarette butts, you'll wipe smudges off the window, you'll clean toilets, you'll talk to customers. It's not the title of being the business owner that gives you the authority or the identity that you need in order to do the service. The, the title owner don't mean a cotton-picking thing to you. The title didn't give you the business. The title didn't give you the resources. The title didn't give you the dream. The title didn't give you the employees. The title didn't give you the business. The title didn't give you the customers. The title don't amount to anything. So many of us today run around hiding behind our titles. I'm the owner. I'm the owner. Do you know who I am? I'm the owner. I own this. I own this house. I own this car. I own this watch. I own this clothes. And all of a sudden you lose the car and then you lose your identity. Then you lose the business and you, you lose your authority. Jesus said, listen, I know who I am. I'm the son of God. I've got that God-shaped hole inside of my life figured out. I know where I came from. I'm a son of Adam. When he breathed God into the nostrils of Adam and made him a living being, I am the offspring of Adam. I don't need eschatology to tell me how things are going to go. I don't need science to tell me. I don't need the internet to tell me. I don't care how old the earth is. I don't know if I can explain the riddles with space and physics and astrology and dinosaurs, but I know I'm a son of God. I came from God, and one day I'm going back to God. It's all figured out. I've got authority. I have an identity. Jesus said, in him, I'm the light of the world. In him, I'm the righteousness of God. In him, I am forgiven. In him, I have the Holy Spirit. In him, I'm new. In him, I'm loving. In him, this is who I am. I don't need you to give me a title. I don't need you to give me a paycheck. I don't need you to give me a desk. I don't need you to give me the accolade. I don't need you to give me that in order to make me somebody. God already made me, and now I can serve you right where you're at because this didn't make me he did L listen to this listen to this who we are in God gives us great freedom who we are in God gives us great freedom great freedom freedom not to take the low road Freedom not to overindulge, not, 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 not freedom to cut corners. 
Who we are in God gives us the freedom to have an identity, listen to me, that is secure, that is certain, that is not flexible or whimsical, that is not shifting, that is not able to be eroded. Who I am in God gives me such freedom that I can do all things, that I can be without money, I can be with money, I can be in authority, I cannot be in authority, I can sweep the floor, I can clean the roof, I can do whatever I need to do because I have great authority, great certainty, great security because what I'm doing isn't who I am. What I'm doing is for who I am. In Jesus, our authority and our identity gives us the high ground of security. Here's Here's what so many want to be today. So many, I want to be the chief. I want to be the chief. You ready for this one? Whoo! Mm, that dress is too short. She has on way too much makeup. Why are there kids acting like that? I want to be the judge. Mm. Don't think I would have done that. <laughs> and right now, as the election season gets closer, <laughs> Yee wants to be the president. So many of us. Well, when I graduate and I get my degree, my PhD, my MD, I'll have my identity then of I'm a doctor. Oh, are you ready? Here's for the staff. I I know what it is. When I get my credentials, when they finally hire me at Oaks Church, when the church finally has enough money to pay people, I could be the pastor. I'll be the pastor. <clears throat> Insecure people like titles. Secure people like towels. If you know who you are, what they call you don't amount to a hill of beans. If you don't know who you are, what they call you means everything. Right? You got to make up your mind. Am I going to embrace my title or my towel? Could have got a bigger towel the week after Thanksgiving. Because my wayside don't make me. I'm going to be me at a 48 or a 38. That's free for somebody else. So hard. Somebody said, praise the Lord. That was for you. Look right here. An awfully strange strategy. You ready for this? Second thought I want to share with you today. My service that is not dependent upon my title that I have or I don't have is meant. It's not in your notes. Is meant. Is meant to include the opposition. (laughs) My service is specifically meant to include my opposition. (laughs) Somehow we have gotten this twisted (laughs) that including the opposition in our service is optional. (laughs) Hey, I'm running out of time and y'all are a bunch of dodos. Can we go have one last staff meeting? Can somebody rent us a room? Somebody, somebody get us some book. Because <laughs> I got one more message to show y'all. <laughs> None of y'all, after three and a half years, want to wash anybody's feet. And matter of fact, not only am I putting you on notice that you don't have the servant's heart that is going to be needed, demanded, 
in order for this gospel message to be perpetuated throughout all the, it's not going to cost you your title. It's not going to cost you your house. It's going to cost you everything. It's going to ultimately cost you your life. You're going to have to give up. Not only do you not have that, not only are you not there, but you think loving your enemies and blessing those who spitefully use you and being kind to those who curse, you think it's optional. It's not. It's intended. Okay, I'm going to say this to you. Many of us think blessing our enemies, serving our opposition is a defensive posture. Like, like for those of us that really get to the place where we say, oh, okay, all right, okay. Whew. I'm going to say hi to them. Huh? We think that's a defensive shield that only insulates us and protects us from any further opposition. Listen to me. Your service that is meant to be included of your opposition is not defensive at all. It is the offensive weapon that Jesus gave the church to see his kingdom come into this world. I don't serve you even if I'm in opposition of you or even if you're in opposition of me to take a defensive posture to insulate my life from you, I serve you so that the kingdom of God and his goodness can be released through me and brought into this earth when it don't make no sense for me to love you and to serve you and to bless you. It's an awfully strange strategy. Let me read this to you. Jesus replied, the person who is bathed all over does not need to wash except for his feet to be entirely clean. And your disciples are clean. You disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. And that is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. I love it when the Bible just explains itself so it's no longer left up to interpretation. Jesus said, specifically, I am including my service of washing the scoundrel's feet who is going to betray me. I'm doing this intentionally. What, What I've discovered about being offensive against those who are in opposition to you is that when, when, when you move out of defense and into the offense of, of serving and blessing and loving and giving, all of a sudden this fear that has grown from, 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 from maybe a little bit healthy to now ungodly and unhealthy where the, you think these people are monsters and their children are aliens and all these terrible things, this fear that's paralyzed you if you be nice that the earth's going to open up and you're going to fall in it and God's righteous judgment it's never going to come on them. All that fear that's been welling up in your heart and in your mind, and your, all of a sudden that fear of everything you've dreamed up in that phobia, it begins to go. And when that fear leaves, all of a sudden, offense leaves. And they may still walk around with the poison and the antifreeze of opposition but you're now drinking mineral-infused sparkling water and you are free from all the baggage that they once were carrying. You don't have to worry. Hey, how y'all doing? Hey, hey, good to see y'all looking good. I mean it. How you doing? It's It's a tactic. It's a trick of the enemy. Here's, here's what I want you to maybe remember you can either choose love or let things linger you can choose love or you can let things linger one will free you and one will fail you 
You can choose love. I, I didn't say feel love. How, how many of you got young? I saw Finley today. She's nine. I think she thinks she's 19 or 29. She got on like these little thick, little black Doc Martin boots. She got like a little black jumpsuit. And I'm thinking to myself, like, she is looking very grown. Okay? Let, let, let me tell you where I'm going. And, and as, I'm, as I'm thinking about Finley growing up, I'm thinking about the journey of head. And, and I'm thinking about all the encounters she's going to encounter, the experiences she's going to have. And I'm thinking as a dad, the responsibility I'm going to have to navigate some of those conversations, some of those encounters, some, some of those things. In her life. And I'm thinking about someday there's going to be maybe some opposition, maybe some friendly fire. And, and I'm going to have to tell her about choosing love. And she's going to tell me, oh, dad, I love him. And oh, dad, I, I love him. And I want to get, and I'm going to say, baby, listen to me. I know it's easy right now because you love him but one day you may not love him the same way and you may have to choose her and you may not love her because she's in opposition of you and she's bringing friendly fire into your life while y'all are in high school but baby you can't just wait on feeling love to love people you're going to have to choose love and choosing this love and staying in the play and walking the way God wants you to walk and navigate is the way that you're going to get free and they're going to stay bound this is the way that's going to free you and not fail you and you got to walk I mean all that's just going through my mind today but what if Finley says, oh, I'm, I'm Pastor John's daughter. I can treat people. You know, what she told, you know what she told somebody at a lunch table one day? <laughs> well, somebody said, which lunch table? That's why we don't let Finley go eat with none of y'all. There is no telling. We let her stay the night with some, and Brooke and I are laying there and somebody's been, and we were like, looked at each other and I said, Brooke said, what is she telling those people right now? I was like, Brooke, I don't know. Please tell them that. Finley was at lunch one day with some people, and she said, well, my daddy's the pastor, and Miss Rhonda kind of like is the boss lady, so I guess, oh, I think it was Fisher Brown she was telling this to. She, she said, so I guess we really run the church since your dad, my daddy's the pastor and Miss Rhonda's the boss lady, so I think we can really do what we want to do. <laughs> Look at me. No. Heck to the now. No. She will not grow up that way. I don't, I don't care who is it. No, you're not going to. It ain't no title. It ain't no position. It ain't no man-made accolade that's going to put you in it. Once you figure out, I am the light of the world. I am the salt of the earth. I am the righteousness of God. I'm saved. I'm full of the Holy Spirit. My name's written in the Lamb's book of life. You don't have to walk around trying to look all sassy and prissy and be somebody like your stuff don't stink. You walk out there and wipe those smudges off the window. You walk over there, pick up that paper off the ground. You'll hold that door for somebody. Run up here and pray for somebody when you see the Holy Spirit moving and them getting free from bondage and addiction. You'll celebrate when somebody else's kids get baptized, when somebody else's business gets blessed, when somebody else's marriage starts being put back together, when other people start getting the opportunities and maybe the new vehicles that you really thought you deserved and you would want, you'll learn to celebrate, not tolerate. Because you know who you are. I know who I am. I know the authority I have. I know my identity. It don't take none of that to make me. Third thought, and I'm going to ask Pastor Chad to come. I want to share probably the best part. It's, it's been, the old days, I used to say this a lot. It's been tight, but it's been right. <clears throat> There's a, a promised blessing on learning to take the role of a servant. Now, I want to just go ahead and set you up for this. You know, it's so easy for me to make references to, to church to uh, Sunday mornings and serve teams. And, and listen, there's only four words that make up Oaks Church. It's only four words. Reach, worship, disciple, and serve. I mean, if, if, if those aren't the things that you feel passionate about, that don't make us a bad church. That, that, that's just the way our shoes built. I'm sure there's another shoe out there doing some other. This is just what we feel passionate about doing. All, all, I don't want to be somebody else's shoe. I, 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 a lot of people, my, can I see that shoe? Let me see that shoe. <laughs> Our church may look like this one. <laughs> yeah, 
You may say, well, that's weird. That ain't what I want. Okay, there's other shoes out there. We happen to like reaching people, reaching the community, corporately worshiping, being discipled in our small group programs, and serving one another and serving this. And that's not to say that's not the end all be all. That's just who we are. This just this shoe. I tried. I need somebody. Let me see your shoe. Come on, Audrey. Let me see your shoe. Let me see your shoe. I've known you a long time. I've been to your house on Christmas. That means I can have your shoe. Hey, you got it. Look at them little pink socks. Look at them little pink socks. She said, give my socks back. <laughs> There's all kind of shoes out there. You gonna give me yours? Just two weeks in a row, she defied the pastor. I'm pulling rank. I'm pulling rank. Two weeks in a row. You ain't even got no socks. My Lord. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. All, well, you gave me the wrong foot. No, I'm just kidding. There's all kind of shoes out there. And, and, I, and I want your foot in this shoe. Do you understand? This isn't a, oh, there's all kind of shoes out there. Go find you a shoe that fits. No! I'm like outside shaking babies, kissing necks, holding up. I've had COVID more times than I can count. I love you people, and I want you to stay here and grow with us and go with us. But there is all kind of shoes. There is all kind of, and I, I don't want to tell any other person what shoe they got to wear. But, but I've discovered I can't wear other people's shoes. I, I tried it for a long time. The church system is set up that way where you kind of do this and then you get promoted to this and then you do this and then you do this. And, and I ended up in shoes that didn't fit my feet. Now I found a shoe that fits my foot and I love walking in it. That's this. Maybe you're getting something out of this. You probably think, I'm, I'm just saying, just serve, just serve, just serve, just serve here. Listen, you do understand, I'm, I'm preaching today about smudges on the windows, bubblegum wrappers on the floor, in an illustrative form about the smudges in your marriage about the rappers in your relationship. You do understand that I'm talking, I'm not talking about just serving in littles. I'm not talking about being on the load-in team. I'm, I'm talking about as a Christian, the service that we're given to our families, that we're given to our kids, the service we're giving to our opposition, the service we're giving to our communities, the service, the light that's shining from within us, this little light of mine. I'm, I'm talking about so many other things. Thank you, ma'am. When you get bold and you stop hiding, watch this, behind the title of why well, I'm the judge and I make all the rules and I decide what's up and down and what's right and wrong and how this should be. When you, when you get out of the way of that, you can start stepping over into the realm of these blessings. Put that passage of scripture up for me that goes with that third thought. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought. Now, 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 in the South, we've made that word ought to be optional. Well, you ought to go to church. <laughs> I wish I had time to give you a koinonia Greek lesson right here. <laughs> this isn't a suggestion. This is, this is a command that carries in the original. Listen, this word, if you were to look it up, is an explicit command that carries negative connotations attached to it if you don't. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You, you think I'm saying Jesus said, you do this, and if you don't, I'm going to punish you. No, Jesus is saying, you do this, because if you don't, the devil will wreak hell in your life, in your mind, in your marriage, in your relationship, in your families. Do this, because if you don't, you have a playground. 
He can have a field day. He can bring insecurity. He can bring pain. He can bring fear. He can bring hurt. He can bring poison. He can bring disappointment. It can grow and it can turn unhealthy. Am I ministering to anybody today? But I'm the president, Jesus. Do you know who I am? You don't, oh, don't talk to me like that. I'm a, I'm a doctor by God. I'm the chief. I don't know who you think you are. Jesus said, I know who I am. I'm the one that's serving you. The one that came to die for you, even though you wouldn't die for me. The one that was faithful to you, even though you would backstab me. The one that would wash your feet, even if you would walk by the sight of mine. Jesus said, that is what gives me the authority. That's what gives me the ability. I'm not asking you to do something I wouldn't do. And he says, listen, put the statement back up on the screen. I know it's a little slower than I normally go. I'm doing it on purpose today. South Louisiana, they say, that's got to marinate. Marinate. That's from down the bayou. Marinate. Let that marinate a little bit. Set in. Put the scripture back up, please. Y'all are doing great back there. You ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you this illustration or this example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Listen to this. Slaves are not greater than their masters. Jesus said, this was, this was the way of the master. I came to serve the world. You're not greater than me. You don't get to change my message. Nor is the messenger more important than the messenger, the one that sent you. You don't get to change what I said. Now that you know these things, is one thing. The blessing of God resides on when you get crazy and radical enough in your faith to do them. Most of us know, but don't do. How many of you really struggle to know what you should do? Most of us know what to do. But how many of us really struggle with doing what we know to do? Maybe that's the difference between blessed and barren. Maybe that's the difference between blessed and barren. God has promised a blessing on the obedience of doing. He didn't promise a blessing on the obedience of knowing maybe we're barren because we know and we're not blessed because we don't do maybe that relationship's not taken a new dimension maybe there's not been restoration maybe there's not been healing maybe there's not been forgiveness maybe that maybe that wound that scar maybe that maybe that thing's fast maybe 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 we we don't listen if if, if you know here's what they say in bars Here, here's what they say three things we can't talk about we can sit down and we can drink together all night. There's three things we can't talk about. What, what can we not talk about? Huh? Politics? Huh? Religion? And sports. We can sit here and we can hang out all night and be friends. But don't tell me you like the Philadelphia Eagles. Right? Don't tell me. If anybody in here today tells me you like Texas A&M, I'm telling you, I'm going to have to struggle. I'm going to tell you, listen to me, hold on. Do you know who I am? Uh, you ain't going to be like it. Because I'm the boss here. No. Don't talk about politics. God forbid you love a Republican. God forbid you love a Democrat. God forbid you love a Muslim. God forbid. God forbid I love a Hindu. You know what we're saying to people? Here's what we're saying. We're saying to people, I'll get along with you. I'll be friends with you. If 
you conform. If we can work this out in our relationship, if, we, if, if you can say you're sorry, if, we, if you can make this right, I'll be your friend. No, what I'm saying, Jesus said, is let's work this out because we are friends. We don't have to work it out in order to be friends because we already are friends. We already are in the human. Listen to me, I don't know if you saw what happened in Colorado Springs. I'm, I'm not sure you saw what happened at Club Q when a non-binary young man walked in and killed five people and wounded 17 others in a nightclub. It happened this past week. And the very next thing that happened at the national headquarters for Focus on the Family was they vandalized and destroyed and wrote graffiti all over the Focus on the Family national headquarters saying blood is on your hands, tore down crosses, spray painted graffiti, quoting scripture saying what happened in these five lives is the church's fault. Right, just, just listen to me. It's about to get deeper. I wish you'd go look up and read. Go read. They're just words. But they seem very heartfelt. I wish you would read the responses of Focus on the Family. We understand that in the times of heightened tensions and ideological differences, that feelings are high and emotions are raw, and we condemn the senseless act of anyone's life being taken. And we are continuing to pray for these families and offering our services to anyone who needs help, anyone who needs our resources, that we'll do anything to serve them, to serve Club Q, to serve the people in Colorado Springs. So, you, know what the, you, know what, you know what Focus on the Family did? Focus on the Family said, you tore up my building. And now I'm mad about it. And y'all are a bunch of, no. They said, we could care less about the property and about the building because that don't amount to a hill of beans. All of y'all are hurting and your lives are in trouble. And if there's anything we can offer as our resources, we've got our towel out. We've took off our titles. And is there anything we can do to serve the LGBTQ and every other thing, society of the state of Colorado? Don't mean we agree with you. Don't mean we're right. Don't, don't, don't mean we think you're right. Don't mean our morals have changed. But what can we do to wash your feet? See, what they're saying is we don't have to work this out in order to be friends because we are friends. Let's sit down and work this out. <clears throat> I can promise you in that scenario, one of those sides is still very mad and one of those sides feels very free. Let me talk to you about the promised blessings. These are all scriptural. I don't have time to go through them all today. But when we learn to start walking in the obedience of not knowing but doing, here's what the Bible says. And I could quote them chapter and verse, serving others does to you. Serving others will give you a greater sense of purpose in your own life. Serving others will fill your heart your spirit, your soul, your mind with more joy. Serving others will reduce your anxiety and your stress. Serving others leads to a healthier, well state of being, which in essence gives a longer life. Serving others shows you what following Jesus and being an example in His likeness was really all about. Serving others allows you to join in what God is still doing in the earth today. God forbid Jesus asked serving Him to cost us anything. Serving others gives you an avenue to begin using your gifts, your callings, your skill sets, your abilities. A young man came up to me this morning. He, he's a, he, last time I he was a police officer. And he walked up to me and said, Pastor John, when are we starting that Celebrate Recovery meeting? And I thought, oh God, he's going to tell me, you know, like, and, and I said, well, it's actually coming. And he said, well, I think that's the place where I want to serve and make a difference. That really feels like a real mission field inside the church. I, I, I never would have thought this young man would have said, that's the place for my gift. Again, it's not about, oh, I'm in the holy. I'm in the holies. Oh, it feels great. I love being in the holies. I need those. 
18 more chapters in Revelation, 60 more chapters in the book of Isaiah. And those 18 more chapters had a lot. There's seven messages that flowed out of that to the seven churches of Asia. There was a lot of word that came out. A lot of more chapters flow. Hey, you're here. I brought you up here to show you me. Now, this is what I want you to do. Serving others. Lord knows this is true. Makes you quit being self-centered. Gets the focus off of you. Serving others teaches you humility. Teaches you you don't always get your way. Serving others allows you to make a true difference in someone else's life. Serving others, again, is how God intends, intends to advance His kingdom. Here's how I want to close this morning. Some of you need to take off that title and take that risk. You know exactly what risk I'm talking about right now. What if I get rejected? What if it backfires? What what if it blows up? I, I, I don't know. Some of you need to take off that title and make that call. Some of you need to take off that birth order, that position, that last name, that entitlement mindset, and you need to lay down your own personal agenda. Some of you need to take off that title and pick up that phone and schedule that lunch. Some of you are holding on to something so close. You got death grips on a gift that don't mean nothing to you. You're holding on to it like it's all yours. You need to take off that title and give that gift that don't mean nothing to you, but it'll mean everything to somebody else. Some of you need to take off that title, sit down and have that conversation. Some of you need to take off those titles out in society and show those random acts of kindness. Some of you need to take off that title of hurt, take off that title of pain and forgive that mistake. Some of you need to take off that title and re-engage that relationship the enemy is robbing you of a relationship that is meant to be rich some of you need to take off those titles some of us need to take off those titles and stand up on our feet this morning and release that pain father today thank you for the strength of your word your word is loving but it's strong today God this may not be insight concerning end times but in a way it's revelation of how we should be living in these last days The Bible says to us, God, live at peace with all men as much as possible, as much as depends upon us. Many of us have to reevaluate that right now in our own hearts. Have we lowered the standard and do we hear your voice today raising the standard? Are there people in our lives? Are there situations in our grasp? Are there relationships around us that that need an extra effort, that, that need a higher calling, that need and demand a higher level of commitment, a lower level of sacrifice. God, I I don't know where they're at. I don't know where they're at in everyone's life. I just know where they're at in me. They can be as small as saying no to a personal schedule item and saying yes to someone else's. It can be as big as getting over hurt and pain that has poisoned my own soul. God, I don't know where it's at, but I know the way of the master is to gird myself with a towel to not be insecure and hold to my titles. Maybe the title is I'm right. Well, sometimes we have to lay down the title of right in order to be available right now. God, I don't know where this seed falls, 
I, I, I don't know what your word is doing, but God, my prayer right now is that it would fall on good ground, that the people, the precious people of this church would hear the love in my voice, the strength in your word that can bring true change, make us insulated from the enemy and bless our lives to be more healthy. God, help us to get free. Show us, God, the areas that need this word and I just believe right now with every head bowed and every eye closed that there's some precious people in here today that are finding some some areas of application they're 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 finding some areas that it's not maybe a literal towel and a water basin and a foot washing but there are some symbolic towels there's some symbolic feet there's some phone calls there's some letters there's some forgiveness there's some release there's there's some renewal there's coming right now I, I just sense it's coming in hearts it's coming in lives. I, I just feel God's strength welling up, strength in the Holy Spirit welling up to get beyond themselves, out of themselves, beyond their own psyche. God moving in a place and in a path of obedience to you that ushers in your kingdom. Ushers in your kingdom into their homes. Ushers in your kingdom into their lives. Ushers in your kingdom into their marriages, into their businesses, into their families. stretch out my hands right now God and I just pray I pray that their faith would fail them not I, I pray that my faith would fail me not I, I pray that we would have new eyes to see new opportunities new ears to hear new truth new hearts to receive 